there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, and welcome back to the show about money, Hi-Fi Radio. I thank you very kindly for joining us. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning, and I hopefully we can help you set up your day, give you some good ideas, and motivate you to become financially independent. Don't forget to be financially independent. You got to work. You got to manage your spending. You got to save. Oh, I know it hurts, but it's important. And then you got to learn to invest the money. Uh, and uh, a space that, for the most part, Jack and I have avoided, uh, for the most part, has been the cannabis space. Um, just a little too uh, smoky for my liking, shall I say. Uh, speculative, in other words. And, uh, well, perhaps now maybe is an opportunity. Uh, we had one of our analysts in our boardroom this morning, and he uh, said that the U.S. cannabis sector certainly looks a lot more attractive, much more attractive than the Canadian cannabis sector. And, uh, well, when we think cannabis... Uh, a, I guess, sister or cousin um, would be vape. Uh, and of course, vape has received such press recently, and my wife is beside herself on the whole category. Uh, of course, uh, we have uh, a child in grade 12, a child in grade 11, and um, vape is rampant. And uh, looking at some of the statistics, I think some 28% of high school students have vaped in the past 30 days. And fortunately, Canaccord's uh, Bobby Burleson put out a very intelligent piece uh, on that uh, very, very subject matter. Industry update, vape illness highlights risks from black market. Uh, Jack and I are very, very pleased to introduce to you Bobby Burleson. He's one of our analysts at Canaccord. He is in California. Um, I never thought they'd vape out in California. But uh, anyways, that's where he is. And Bobby, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day to speak to us about this very, very important matter. Uh, important enough that your president, as a matter of fact, uh, has been spearheading uh, this very topic to eliminate uh, flavored vape. So please, speak. And I was going to say Massachusetts, I think, actually outlawed vaping completely just recently as well. Yeah, very, so, very significant. So speak to us, please, um, uh, Bobby, first and foremost about um, what, you believe has caused the deaths and the sicknesses from vaping? Yeah, good morning. Um, you know, so there are a bunch of cases, like you mentioned, and the, the common uh, link across a lot of these cases is something called vitamin E acetate. Mm-hmm. And it's, a thicken- it's being used as a thickening agent um, by folks that are basically taking counterfeit hardware, uh, you know, vape pens off the Internet, and filling them with their own uh, oils and selling them on the black market. And, you know, clearly it's not something vitamin E acetate that we should be inhaling. And so that's one common thread across all of these illness, most of these illnesses. Yeah, I was told there was a, I think it was the show up here in Canada on the CBC, I believe, it's called Quirks and Quirks. My wife loves the show, if that's the correct name of it. And uh, he had a, a, a scientist in his studio speaking about vape, and, and they pointed the finger at the flavoring. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's the, the buttered flavoring or the, uh, the cherry flavoring, but one of them, I think, is uh, safe to ingest unsafe to inhale so those working at the factories who are using these flavorings for food have to wear ventilators and yet what had my wife up in arms is that if they have to wear ventilators working with the material how can we take the product put it in a pen advertise it as cool technology that you can plug into your laptop and, and, and do neat things with vape, apparently, because uh, that's what they're promoting on Instagram. It, it just is so counterintuitive to where 
society has moved. And you're in the West Coast. My goodness, you lead the charge out there in terms of, you know, healthy living. Well, I mean, obviously, Jewel is from San Francisco also. Um, You know, I think that uh, Hmm. there are two different categories of vape that we're talking about. So we have the nicotine vape, and then we have the cannabis or or THC vape. And so, you know, I think with the nicotine vape, the e-cigs, we're talking about um, an issue of, you know, potentially marketing to, to kids. We're talking about flavors that appeal to kids. And then if there are actual health considerations, you mentioned a couple of flavors that might have real specific issues. Um, and so you know, there are a multitude of issues, I think, on the e-cigs, right? And, and when you talk about THC, it's really literally just this black market that's kind of emerged um, and where, where, you know, there's a lot of stuff outside of the legal channels that is just, you know, something that is, is flat out toxic. E-cigs, I think, the regulators are behind the curve in terms of, uh, you know, really uh, doing the analysis and, you know, setting up the regulations for E-cigs. And they're responding now. They're on the defensive. Um, and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the states are starting to step up themselves. And Massachusetts has outlawed vape altogether. I think India actually recently outlawed e-cigs. So the regulators are catching up, but I expect e-cigs and THC vaping, um, the response from regulators and from those two industries to evolve a little differently. Well, these are different challenges. Um, in terms of Juul specifically, and again, we have to uh, head off to commercial break here, but who now owns Juul? Because again, there was that big tobacco merger talk that was going on between Altria and Philip Morris, and they, I think, also control Juul or own a big stake in Juul, and the Juul CEO yeah. stepped down. I think it's about a 30% stake, yeah, and it sounds like the uh, the issue with Juul and surrounding Juul and the regulation concerns that they have down in the U.S. right now, uh, it seems like that merger is not going to move forward because of all these concerns that these companies have. Yeah, we're talking about a very important issue here, folks, and if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're speaking about vape, the dangers of vape, um, changes coming to legislation, fast and furious, uh, hopefully up here in Canada as well. Bobby Burleson's on our line. Uh, he's an analyst. He's an expert in the uh, field, um, and uh, it's a delight to have him on the show. Please, more Hi-Fi Radio uh, coming up right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yep, the black market. I'll tell you what's happening in high school, folks, and I learned this directly from my children. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jack and Bobby. Bobby Burleson, by the way, on the line in California. He's uh, an analyst with Canaccord, spoke, uh, focuses specifically on the cannabis space. And when you think cannabis, you have to, unfortunately or fortunately, tie vape into it. Um, 18 years of age, I believe, here in Canada, currently to purchase vape products. And so... Uh, how are the kids underage receiving it? Basically, what's happening is, and this apparently, often it's a girl who will go to a gas station that advertises Jewel product, and uh, every Thursday they get new Jewel product in the gas station little shop, wipes them right up, buys all of it, takes it back to school, and then sells it to anyone under 18. Marks it up, of course, and away you go. Um, 
this is an issue here, of course, is how the product's distributed. So where do you think we're going to go with um, FDA approval of product, safety of product versus black market of product, Bobby, or complete uh, shut, shut the industry down? Can you? Is it was a genie out of the bottle? Yeah, I think that it's a really an open question with E6, right? Because you have the marketing practices also that are being scrutinized. And so there's a question as to whether or not there's, um, you know, additional regulatory steps that'll, that'll come because of some of the actions that have been taken by some of these companies, um, besides just strictly the health concerns. Um, and then on top of it, you have the analysis being done um, in terms of health concerns. When we talk about T- THC vaping, I think uh, the issue there is that the state regulators that have set up legal cannabis markets in you know, California, Nevada, Massachusetts, et cetera, they need to crack down on the illicit stores and the black market uh, uh, you know, in those states, which oftentimes is larger than the regulated market. And enforcement's been an issue, right? We've been wanting, for example, in California for uh, the regulators to step up enforcement and, and so I think what's going to happen longer term, you know, certainly, you know, consumers now are going to be very wary of vape products off of the black market. Uh, there's been a ton of news about this. Everybody, as you mentioned, is talking about it. And then the second thing that's going to happen is regulators are going to enforce some of these state laws and actually uh, shut down a bunch of stores, uh, for example, in Southern California that are operating without licenses, where a lot of this product ends up finding its way. That, in turn, should drive demand onto the regulated channels, right, and and into these uh, regulated dispensaries. And there you have a ton of testing that happens all throughout the supply chain, Um, everything from heavy metals and pesticides uh, down to whether or not the hardware itself is counterfeit. Um, and and that's a much safer channel, obviously, to, to make these purchases. Interesting. So the, well, the listed vaping companies that are out there right now, just to pivot onto that, I guess, um, they've been really hurt, obviously, uh, with all this new regulation and oversight that the government's proposing and also implemented. Um, do you see actually demand going to those products? Because right now those companies have been just decimated in the market. So the illicit vaping companies, I would say, aren't really even companies. You have right. you know, an operation that was shut, shut down in Minnesota recently. It was actually quite big. It was just a couple of brothers. Um, and you know, whenever you manufacture in China, right, which is where a lot of the vape hardware comes from, mm-hmm. you, you run the risk, um, and it's almost a certainty, that what you're making there is going to get knocked off, right? Um, and so that happened. And, and so you've got some low-end brands whose hardware was knocked off. And then, you know, those, those folks that are manufacturing illegally that hardware in China are now selling it online. And so anybody was able to kind of just buy these knockoff uh, cartridges and pens and then turn around and fill them with product and, and sell them illegally. Interesting. And so really, the counterfeit hardware really is what lowered the bar for what's happening in the black market. Yeah, I saw some photos of that hardware, and, and, and of course it's, it's it's designed to be very, very attractive to, I guess, young millennials or, or, or Generation Z. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. Let, let's move forward here because, again, um, interesting, the United States is fascinating in many, many different ways. And the, this cannabis story has behooved me since it became a story some, I don't know, what, five, six, seven years ago, in that, and it remains this way today, it is federally illegal to 
consume cannabis in America, period, federally illegal. Uh, yet the states are taking upon themselves to engage in both rec and medicinal marijuana. And those states that do that have a problem with all of the dispensaries. The problem is cash, uh, which reminds me of the movie Blow, um, sort of. They don't have a problem with cash. They just have too much of it, and they have nowhere to put it. They can't uh, bank in, in the they current, can't yeah, in the current environment. cash. So they're almost being forced to operate as the black market does. Um, so yesterday afternoon, the United States House of Representatives voted overwhelming in favor of uh, – 321 to 103 of, of H.R. 1595. <laughs> Which is, is. <laughs> the safe, it's the Safe Bank Act is what you're going to see secure, in the media. Yeah, it's, a, it's the Secure and Fair Enforcement Safe Banking Act, basically allowing um, uh, uh, allowing the states to bypass the federal law and allowing then these states, businesses who are operating in dispensary, to open up bank accounts. Uh, so, Bobby, please share with us how important this is for the uh cannabis space this is runway and uh, uh catalyst of moving forward i mean i think it's very important um you know it's a problem that a lot of these companies complain about it's a security risk right having so much cash mm-hmm. um and then you know on top of it you know ancillary uh, players you know folks that are leasing property let's say or doing other services for cannabis companies um you know uh feel a little bit more comfortable working with them. Um, and, and then finally, I think banks, right, will be, you know, not only taking deposits, but potentially lending as well. And, you know, the cost of capital is incredibly high uh, in the, the uh, plant-touching U.S. cannabis uh, space. And, you know, hopefully that will come down and, and become more efficient. Um, what it doesn't do is it doesn't allow uh, U.S. plant-touching companies to list on major exchanges yet, right? So NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange are still not open to folks that are doing, you know, plant-touching THC business in the U.S., um, but lending may be opening in a much bigger way. Very interesting. Well, uh, prohibition is ending, and uh, steps in a new direction are occurring in a baby fashion, but in the direction I think, uh, well, the majority have voted for. Uh, we have Bobby Burleson on the line. It's Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host. I am a portfolio manager. I manage money, and I do a very good job. Uh, much of my success can be leaned on with my partner, Jack Hartle, who also does an amazing job. Clients love us. You may, too. Never hesitate to ask us uh, any questions. That's what we are here for. Uh, we're talking vape. We're talking cannabis, uh, and hopefully... Uh, we're going to, as a, as a society, uh, well, change our ways and uh, get a little smarter about this and get rid of this on that black market. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break. Get right back to the show right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's my favorite state in America, I must say. Love California. Yep, I do indeed. Uh, the vape was created in Beijing by a pharmacist, uh, I think it was in 2003. 
Uh, I am surprised uh, that vape is out in the West Coast. But t- t- tell me something. We got Bobby Burleson on the line. Bobby, what is the mood towards smoking cigarettes, smoking marijuana, vaping nicotine, vaping um, uh, THC uh, in the wonderful state of California? And I asked the question because I know it, it, that, that state became very anti-smoking, uh, not to the degree that um, New York has, but it certainly was moving in that direction. And yet it was one of the first states, of course, to, to go wreck. Uh, so can you speak to that in terms of public opinion um, about the habits? Well, sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, smoking and cannabis, you know, the attitudes are, are probably very different um, between, you know, smoking cigarettes and cannabis. But you, know, you don't see a lot of people smoking cigarettes in California. Um you know, I think then in some other states, um, you know, the cannabis uh, culture here is very old, right? So you know, probably 70% of all the cannabis that's consumed in the U.S., because remember, there is still a big black market, is actually grown in three counties in, in Northern California um, called the Emerald Triangle, basically. Um, so, you know, there's a longstanding, you know, uh, economy and culture of, of cannabis and the medical law, uh, you know, legalizing at the, at the medical level, at least in California, was back in 1996. So we're talking about the oldest legal state market. You know, we just went wreck, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, but, you know, there was a big infrastructure already in place. How, how, how important do you think CBDs are? Again, opioids and jacks, you're, you're paying attention to the opioid story quite well. Uh, it is a complicated story, but all big pharma and the companies underneath it are getting annihilated on uh, the opioid crisis. And I saw a, 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 an alarming number, I think it was on the Wall Street Journal or Barron's last night as I was doing my homework, as to how many billions of pills were sold annually. Uh, and certain cities, certain states were getting more than others for various reasons. But it was, I think it was like 700 billion pills of opioids were sold in the last 12 months or something like that. And again, you know, vaping is, 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 is a big concern right now, but the CBD story has gone a little quiet. And so, Bobby, in your opinion, from the homework you've done, does CBDs offer a lot of medicinal benefits? And do you, do you believe that the runway for CBDs as an alternative pain medication is long and wide? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the whole uh, wellness trend in consumer products, right, you've got a whole range of, of uh, items that are sold that are supposed to have some kind of what we call nutraceutical benefit. So some kind of medical benefit or, you know, supplement uh, uh, medicinal benefit that uh, isn't necessarily proven um, by science. Um, I think CBD, there's a lot of work being done uh, by universities and others studying the science behind it, mm-hmm. and it's compelling. Um, but right now you have, you know, tons of different uses, right? And and not all of them are necessarily uh, valid, right? Um, but I think uh, pain suppression or management, I think, in, uh, you know, as anti-anxiety, um, you know, there are certain things, you know, sleep aid. Uh, I've seen, it, I've heard of love it, potion, uh, and I think that one's false, by the way. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Love potion. But, but they His can't, hers. I would say they can't actually make those claims, right, when they're out marketing. Uh, they can't say that they're yeah, going to so, relieve yeah. anxiety. I don't know about your love potion idea, Wolf, but they can't say they're going to relieve anxiety without having the proper efficacy, without going through proper FDA approvals, right? Yeah, so, you know, you, you really can't make medical claims, 
on any of the marketing materials, including the, the actual you know, packaging on, on the product. Um, and we've actually seen uh, FDA you know, crack down on, on some folks uh, you know, that were even just linking back to, to uh, CDC studies um, that talked about efficacy. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some restrictions, and we're waiting for the FDA to clarify uh, a number of things when it comes to ingestible CBD. Interesting. Um, and, you know, so it's evolving. Yeah. Um, interest of time here, Bobby, can you give us a couple of uh, your favorite stock ideas? Again, this, the sector is depressed. And I tell you, we don't get, Jack and I no longer getting requests or inquiries or interest in marijuana stocks, which is usually a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing, my good friends. When, when, when retail is calling me to buy something, it's time to get out. And when they really hate something, well, perhaps it's worth looking at. So uh, being, being that your sector has been knocked down a wee bit, uh, Bobby, what stands out is a really good value and a really good quality um, cannabis investment in America? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, Air Strategies, the ticker is A-Y-R-S-S, at least on the, uh, the uh, OTC down here in the U.S. Um, they're interesting. They're a, a multi-state operator, which is, you know, a, a vertically integrated, you know, uh, producer and retailer of cannabis products in Nevada and Massachusetts. And what I really like about these guys is their Massachusetts operations are very cultivation-centric, um, which means, you know, there's an undersupply situation right now in Massachusetts. You guys have faced something similar up in Canada at one point. Um, and so the prices are very high, uh, you know, on the spot market for, for flour. And there are very few producers in the state that can actually have to have the licenses that allow them to sell to, to rec stores, adult use stores. And Air Strategies is one of the companies that has that. Um, so in their you know, trading probably 30% below peers right now, 40% below other MSOs. Interesting. That's one that I like, mm-hmm. uh, but I think potentially they're a target. Um, and then, you know, another one would be someone like a TGIF, like, thank God it's Friday. Yeah. The company's name, <laughs> named 1933 Industries. Um, they're really centered in Nevada, but they have about 60% of their revenue coming from uh, hemp CBD products. So they have their own line of, of CBD products that they sell online all around the country. Um, and they've been building out their their production footprint to support more expansion there. Um, and so they're potentially able to carve off that business at some point um, and either sell it or, or uh, list it separately yeah. and unlock, unlock some value there. Um, well, Bobby, it's been an absolute treat having you on the show. I really, really appreciate your time Saturday morning here. I know it's uh, tough to get up and well, put your uh, game face on, but you did a very, very fine job. So I want to wish you a great weekend. Uh, this is Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. It's a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, Jack Hartle, portfolio manager as well. We are here for you. Please, more of the show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There we go. Yeah. 
You feel better? Happy song. Why not? It's a nice day. And we're talking about a happy subject, money. Well, it's good if you have it. You can be happy. But uh, if you don't, well, we're here to help you. And, uh, well, we're here to help all of you. And if you have any questions, you can always contact uh, Jack and I. Of course, there's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein. Yes, I'm here for you, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I've got two great guests in the studio um, who look in a different fashion uh, for investment ideas, uh, uh, Peter Pratis and uh, Michael uh, Formsovich. Yes, indeed, I got that right, didn't I, Michael? That's pretty close, Pretty, yeah. pretty close, eh? Uh, both of which, well, collectively, they have 35 years of uh, industry experience. Uh, that's putting up right against what Jack and I have. We have collectively 35 years of experience, I think, Jack, in this industry, so... Huh, there you go. Uh, the uh, you know it's important about this business. I tell you, if you want to um, add value, uh, you know, make just a little bit more money than the average bear, you have to think a little bit differently, and that's what these gentlemen do. Uh, so it's interesting. Rather than buying, for example, a company like Amazon, uh, they will buy a air transport services company. Rather than buying Canopy Growth, they would look at something like Harvest. Health. Uh, I like that. Uh, thinking outside the box a little bit. So, uh, Peter, Michael, thank you for joining us on Hi Fire Radio. Uh, can you share with us the secret sauce of your, what is the North American uh, Special Opportunities Fund? Or? Sure. The North American Opportunities Class is mm-hmm. one of the funds that we manage. And essentially, what we're trying to do in all of our funds is help investors get exposure to areas of the market that they're typically underinvested or not invested in and help improve their overall risk return profile. And so how are you doing that? So for us, really what that means is investing in the small and mid-cap space of the market, as well as investing in select privates. And we're doing that for a few reasons, but one, it's been shown over time that you can get better returns uh, in the lower cap areas of the market as well. We think that there is a subset of very excellent companies that are very much underlooked down the market cap spectrum, companies with quality um, earnings profiles, with growth, yet are trading at very attractive valuations. And the third thing we're really trying to accomplish in these funds is helping investors get exposure to change, invest in change. Uh, We all recognize that the world is changing quicker than it ever has before, where we're seeing thousands of years of progress occur over just a few years. And with that, there's the dying of old business models and the emergence of new business opportunities. So we're trying to help investors divest of those dying businesses and invest of those growing investment opportunities where we think there is more upside potential. So right off the top there, Wolfgang talked about Amazon and the Amazon effect. So you have some companies, I guess, that you're looking at that are sort of trying to ride those tailwinds. Um, that's very second derivative thinking. That's very good in terms of looking for opportunities sort of as, as these big bohemists make splashes, make changes, make secular shifts in the market. What types of companies uh, are you seeing here in Canada that are really benefiting? Sure. Well, as we mentioned, uh, we're always looking to help investors uh, gain exposure to areas of the market that are not typically invested in unique and different ways. So for us, down the market cap spectrum, we see really good quality companies in North America, like a company like Air Transport Services Group, which isn't a direct beneficiary of the growth in e-commerce, but is an indirect beneficiary because one of their largest customers or all of their customers do benefit from the emergence of e-commerce. So we all know that we're buying more and more goods online. My wife and uh, buys for herself and for her kid, our kids almost exclusively online now. Maybe, and, they are, maybe they are her kids. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I say Cargo Widget, uh, just this last month or so, they, they made an announcement where they do have a partnership with Amazon. Amazon has taken an equity stake in that business, making a big commitment to Canada. Part of that reason is the fact that there's uh, transport regulations where uh, foreigners can't own, I'm not sure the exact percentage, I'm not sure if it's 25 or 50% of uh, an airline here in Canada. I think but either way, over 50% must be Canadian owned. So they've right. definitely partnered with CargoJet, and they, they got a, a good boost off that. Is that a company that you might be interested in? Yeah, we have invested in CargoJet historically and done very well. Uh, we sold it recently over the last year, and that's because we saw a better opportunity emerge with Air Transport Services Group, which is a company of similar size, uh, yet is trading at only a, a fraction of the valuation, about half the valuation that uh, CargoJet is trading at right now, yet has all the same similar growth drivers being the ben- being the beneficiaries of this growth in e-commerce. Just looking at some of the cheat notes that you gave Jack and I, and again, we're on these themes as well, just paying attention to them, we're not necessarily invested in them yet, but we're close and certainly can accord, uh, fortunately for Jack and I, uh, is, is an expert in a couple of the fields that you're very, very interested in. Um, uh, you, you speak about artificial intelligence. I was just at a fantastic growth conference um, uh, in Boston, and there was a lot of uh, artificial intelligence talk. Uh, you got blockchain and fintech here. Same thing at our conference. They were covering that. Cannabis, well, uh, same old, same on that one. Uh, esports, another one. Um, so you're, I, I'm impressed with where you, the areas you're looking at. But again, esports, as an example, difficult to invest in in the public market unless you do the obvious, which would be the Take Two Interactives or the or the Activision. Um, of the world. Uh, how are you uh, gaining exposure to, for example, eSports? Yeah, it's a very big challenge to gain exposure to all the areas, uh, emerging growth areas that we want to gain exposure to because some of them have yet to hit the inflection point where we are seeing uh, a pathway towards positive earnings, which is typically where we want to invest. Um, but we have uh, taken an initial position in eSports because we think it is an opportunity which is moving towards profitability. Um, so I don't know um, what your home situation is like, but I have a couple of young kids at home. I know that esports is a real thing. My kids would love to spend uh, countless hours not only playing video games, but more importantly, they can spend even more hours online watching other people play video games, which is fascinating to me. So the way we're consuming content is much different now. So for us, uh, we uh, invested in a small private company uh, called Luminosity, which became a public company through a recent merger with Enthusiast Gaming, which has given us an initial position in the space. Good for you. Uh, this is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, hence Manager of Money. Jack Hartle right beside me, my right-hand man. Uh, very, very delighted to have uh, Peter Pradas and uh, Michael Formzovich uh, in the studio. Uh, collectively, they run just under a billion dollars through four different uh, vehicles uh, through IA Clarington. They think differently. Uh, please stay tuned. You'll learn something. Uh, more of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Let's talk it over, baby. Before we start, I heard about the way you overdo your part. Oh, I love the uh, pearls. Yep, indeed. My good friends, quote from a Russian uh, philosopher, it is better to be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. I share that with you because often Jack and I uh, lose 
business, uh, one of you may contact us and say, hey, I have some money, I'm looking at, at investing it. And, you know, Jack and I are very honest and we under are conservative and we, we underestimate. And sometimes we have to slap people with the truth that, yeah, we can't make you 15 or 20 percent. And that's, you know, you have to work and you got to save and there's going to be some work involved here. It's going to take time. And then they walk across the street and someone kisses them with a lie and say, sure, we can do whatever you want and make you 20 percent. No. Time will tell, of course, uh, the better outcome, but I believe you are be to, to be uh, slapped with the truth and kissed with a lie. Give that some thought. Uh, i got two great portfolio managers in the studio right now who, of course, are looking forward and trying to help us uh, eliminate the past. That's very, very important as well when you're running money. Uh, Peter Prattis has been uh, in the industry for 15 years. Um, analyst, of course, once now a portfolio manager with IA Clarington and Michael Formzovich, uh, 20 years in the industry, uh, used to cover pipelines, utilities, and industrials, and now he's getting involved in the likes of artificial intelligence and blockchain. So you had to go back to school and uh, stretch your brains, little boys, as you create this uh, small cap fund. I want to uh, remind the audience that uh, I've mentioned to you before, $100 invested in the U.S., the U.S., S&P 500, excuse me, the U.S. small cap, small cap index, 1950 $100 today would be worth was it $750,000, Jack? I think it was. I think it was, yeah. 750 yeah. It grew at a 14% clip. 14% compounded rate of return versus the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest companies in North America. Uh, it grew at around 11 12% clip. The Canadian market over that period of time grew at a 9% clip. The point I'm making is if you want to get outsized returns, you have to think differently and think smaller companies because they have better potential to grow. Uh, but with that comes more work and more risk. And often uh, uh, offloading that responsibility to some experts who are willing to dig deep uh, into the new areas of investing is helpful. And that's, I think, what Peter Prattis and Michael uh, Fomzovich uh, are very, very good at. So, guys, thank you very much for spending time with us and uh, helping us carry on this discussion. Um, millennials and demographics. Um I'm a studier of demographics. Uh, follow the baby boomer and ye shall make money. Now, the baby boomer had kids and they're called millennials and that demographic is as big as the baby boomers. And part of Canaccord's thesis has been household formation. As millennials turn 30, guess what? Biological clock kicks in. They're like everybody else. They get married. They have bambinos and bambinas. And yeah, they buy washers and dryers and they buy cars and stuff. Actually, I just saw a report this week, Wolf, that the millennials are in fact moving out of the city. They're going to the suburbs once they make that family. So less millennials are having kids right now than the previous generations. But the ones that are, are actually doing exactly what the thesis states. They're going out family formations in the suburbs because obviously the, the, the city living doesn't really accommodate their needs. Yeah. So, uh, Peter and Michael, tell us, uh, what, what are your best millennial investment ideas right now? Okay. So, again, we're always looking to invest in different ways. So, um, millennials do live much differently and think about the world much differently than we did um, growing up. So, one thing that millennials are doing, as you mentioned, they're choosing to live differently. And one thing is that they're um, deciding to spend and, and experience um, events rather than um, save like we used to. And you really can hardly blame them because the cost of homes these days are have escalated um, to rocket levels. So um, they're choosing to rent instead of buy. And one play on that is a company like Tricon Capital, a company that offers single family residential homes, uh, rental homes in the United 
United States and some of the best areas of the United States, like the U.S. Sunbelt. So that to us is a real estate play, which uh, plays on the millennial demographic shift towards renting over owning. It's an American idea, yeah. Now, you, you, I had to bite my tongue, cause I, and I have a bad habit of offering, uh, often interrupting wonderful people like you. My wife said, Wolf, you got to stop interrupting people. I, I apologize. But I want to often share an idea or, or, or help the audience understand what you're saying if it's something uh, technical that you presented, but you didn't. But you did say a point that I got to I got to stop, and that is that millennials are into experiences. Jack and I own Live Nation; that's an experienced stock. But that they're not saving. We had a problem here, big problem. And this is my job. This is where Jack and I step up to the plate here, and we're working with our good friend Brittany, the producer of this show here. She is a millennial who is newly married, and she's gigging three gigs. This lady works three jobs, including producing this fantastic show on the Global News Radio Network, six forty in Toronto. Had to get that in there for you, Brittany. Um, but the point is saving, folks. You have to save. I don't care how old you are. If you're working, you must save. But the, the what they don't teach you in school is not complicated. And I'm going to go back to you guys, and you may want to share this with your kids. You're high level money guys, but you know, it's often high level people don't bring it down either um in fact i wouldn't be surprised if one of you guys were penniless i just have a sense when you are <laughs> but the point is five dollars a day saved compounded at nine percent do you think your fund could do nine percent over the next 40 years compound we believe so they believe so five dollars a day starting at age 15 at age 55 is seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Five bucks a day is 35 bucks a week that is nothing Anyone can do that. Millennials, you can't have the full experience. And if you want to really have experience, learn about compounding your money. Uh, it is so important. And the beauty of a mutual fund, I'm going to help you guys out here a little bit. The beauty of a mutual fund is it is actually one of the best vehicles to compound in and more importantly, dollar cost average. You can buy a mutual fund for as little as 25 bucks a month. So basically every week, one of you out there could buy more of this fantastic fund with that uh, 35 bucks that you have saved. And if you do that consistently, every single week, you buy 35 bucks worth of their mutual fund. When the market pukes, you're going to get more units. And when the market's expensive, you'll get less units. Over time, your your average rate of return will actually beat their fund. Uh, and I think you'll be very, very pleased that you did just that. But that won't be easy because that will require emotional work on your part. You can't do that alone. That's why you need a partner like Jack and I. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to go to commercial break. Two very, very powerful guests in studio talking about the future. And also, about how to get rid of some baggage. And uh, the baggage part is going to come next, uh, right here. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Summer has come and passed. The innocent can never last. Wake me up when September ends. Wakey, wakey. That's what we're here for. It's time to get serious. It's, you know, September's over. October's around the corner. Uh, money is so important, my good friends. We're here to help you have more of it. Uh, but it requires some effort on your part. Um, you know, Jack uh, threw a Carmen at me this morning that him and I both scratched our head. Uh, someone said to us, uh, okay, I'm ready to start saving. How do I get an account open? How do I do this? In, in other words, how to open up an account? You just ask someone in the industry to open it. It's not hard. but So it's amazing when we get some about silly questions. There's no such thing as a bad question, I guess. But a lot of intelligent people just aren't doing some of the basics. Intelligent people need our help. And you know when they say, gee, mutual funds are, are a thing of the past, nonsense. Uh, there's experts uh, like Peter and Michael who are in the studio right now with us um, helping us make good investment decisions. And, you know, well, we all know the story about the horse and buggies or the telephone. 
Yeah, things change. Uh, so, gentlemen, um, what is yesterday's news that continues to be in business but you think is a deteriorating model? And tell us about some of your best ideas uh, for the next 10 years. Well, some ideas of uh, investments that we think are in a dying industry. So any any company that's producing envelopes, um, it's not going to work. Flyers, I mean, in Quebec, there's a town that recently passed a law that will ban the use of flyers within a certain number, a certain amount of years. Um, if you're thinking longer term, uh, you don't want to be in, obviously, coal, power plants. Uh, there's a lot of industries like that that are, that are slowly dying. You know, I say Sandy McIntyre was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about the fact that there's going to be a lot of stranded assets out there. And you talk about coal that will never, you know, it's on these balance sheets as an asset, but it may never get dug up just for the fact that by the time that, that they bring it out of the ground, they're using wind, solar, even natural gas, right? The other phenomenon that's interesting, I'm sorry you didn't catch on this one, Jack, was uh, as, as the envelope business is going uh, to dust, the packaging business is booming, uh, and advertising and marketing now on boxes is big business. Who's that? There's a company that's specializing in this thing here, and it's creating wonderful graphics and messages so that when your package arrives from Amazon, it begins with a marketing campaign. Well, that's the new billboard, right, Wolf? If, if so, you're actually they know what you've bought, so now they're going to market to you whatever the next thing is. Just like down in the grocery aisle, you know, if you're going to have the chips, they're going to put the dip right beside it. <laughs> That's what, one of my favorite lines is when, when a person is too verbose. My an old boss of mine in broadcast said, "Look, I asked you how the party was, not if you liked the dip." Gentlemen, give me some ideas for the future. Some of your best investment ideas for the next ten years. They've got lots of runway in front of them because that's how we make ten baggers and twenty baggers. Sure. Well, one area that I think uh, you, you need to have some exposure to is the is cannabis. So cannabis has been a challenging sector more recently, but we think that there still is a giant growth opportunity ahead of us in that space. But you have to tread extremely carefully. Uh, I've been involved in the space for about five years now, so I've seen the rise and the recent fall of it, and I understand it quite well that uh, there is a lot of, uh, of businesses out there making very large claims. And right now, some of the challenges we're facing is just that it, there's a challenge to meet the uh, revenue and sales expectations that a lot of these companies have professed. So, uh, but we think that if you are going to invest in the space, there is a great opportunity yet ahead of us in the United States where deregulation is occurring. Uh, just uh, yesterday, actually, we had the passing of the Safe Banking Act uh, in the U.S., which we think is a good catalyst for the space to move it forward, and it's going to enable us to unlock the opportunity in the United States. So, the best way to play it, we think, is by investing in the larger companies with a nice scale in the United States, those companies which have proven to grow over time successfully, uh, deploying capital in a very responsible way. Um, those large multi-state operators like one of our investments right now, Harvest Health and Recreation, which we liked um, for several reasons. One, it's, it's a much different company than some of the Canadian cannabis plays you see out there uh, because it has a long operating history, having operated since 2011 and grown from one operation in one state to many operations in many states. Um, and it's done so uh, very responsibly, actually achieving uh, profit. And we think that uh, it has a much bigger opportunity opportunity than many of the Canadian plays because it has the U.S. market to go after, which of course is around 10 times the size of the Canadian market. And the third point being that it's trading, we think, at a very 
healthy and attractive valuation where you can actually um, see a pathway towards a significant earnings ramp, which is, uh, suggests that the valuation now is currently very low. Well, we do live in exciting times. Uh, Peter Prattis and Michael uh, Formzovich uh, are our small cap managers um, looking for tomorrow's big winners, uh, participating, of course, in the likes of renewables, the shared economy, the stay-at-home economy, uh, electrification, water, Internet of Things, esports. It's very, very exciting what's taking place. Uh, this is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, and if you want to make money, you have to look forward. That is the name of the game. But you know something, my good friends? The most important thing with money is as follows. You got to work. You got to manage your spending, spend less, save, and invest the difference. Um, equally important when you invest in the difference, you must look forward. And the most important thing of all is time. Start early and let time do the heavy lifting so that you can become perhaps uh, Bill Gates. And Jack is getting a real kick out of watching the documentary on Bill Gates uh, with Warren Buffett, as Warren Buffett puts about a, I don't know, 14 grams of salt on a hamburger as they discuss charitable and big picture philanthropy. I'm going to be sleeping in the streets of Toronto for Covenant House. Please make a donation. You'll get 40 cents back on the dollar from the government if you're in a relatively high tax bracket. It's for a good cause. Uh, I don't want to sleep on the streets. Please make it worth my mile and donate. Go to Covenant Heights website and uh, look for Wolfgang Klein and support 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 yeah, support a sleeper uh, as it will be me. Uh, I want to wish you all a great weekend. I want to wish you thank you very kindly for tuning into Hi-Fi Radio. I hope we helped you. If you have any further questions, never hesitate to contact Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com. All the best. Listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.